Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Sheward and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi. I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In Acadiana, we love music. Not only do we listen to it, but many of us play it. I don't have any statistics to back this up, but anecdotally, there are probably more musicians per capita here than anywhere in the country. Music, for many families, is a way of both celebrating and passing on the culture. It is, as the late Eddie Lejeune said, in the blood. Despite the fact that music is a central part of our lives, making a living from music is not easy around here. While we have lots of music, we don't have a lot of music business. We share that problem with the rest of the country. Since the advent of online music streaming services like Spotify, it's very difficult for musicians or record companies to make money from the sales of recorded music, which leaves music for film, commercials and live performance as the principal sources of revenue for musicians today. With the focus on live music here in Acadiana, you'd think that would work out well for our local musicians. However, if you know any, you'll notice they're not living in gated mansions or driving fancy cars like their counterparts in Nashville or even Austin. So why not? Let's find out from two late local musicians. Lane Mack was born and raised in Lafayette. He was a contestant on the TV show The Voice, and his record, Swamps of Dizziac, rose to number two spot on the iTunes blues chart. Lane. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Hey, what's happening? Sean Bruce was born and raised in Karen Crow. Sean went to UL where he graduated with a degree in business with a focus on music. He's the owner of Norwood Recording Company, his independent record label, which released his latest recording, Staring at Maps. Sean, welcome to Out to Lunch. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let me start by asking both of you the same question. With the generations of focus on live music here in Acadiana and the withering away of the recorded music business across the country, you'd think that we'd be perfectly placed to be on the cutting edge of the music industry. But it doesn't seem to be that way. As I mentioned, we don't seem to have an obviously wealthy community of musicians. Is that just a question of size, of population? Or is there something missing from the Acadiana music business ecosystem that exists in other music cities like Austin or New Orleans? I mean, I, I would say size is probably one of the one of the main factors. Um, Lafayette's only so big. There's only so many places that you can go out and play music and uh, and do it regularly without burning out your audience. Um, so for me, size would be a thing. Um, I think Sean could probably touch on the on the genre thing. Uh, I think that's another. Uh, issue as far as uh, being able to make a, a living playing music yeah. in Lafayette, it's very specific to certain genres. Uh, certain types of music do better than other. It does better than other music here. So um, we both don't typically uh, market ourselves as you know Cajun Zydeco music, which is the top two contenders in Lafayette, Louisiana, as far as the music business side of things go. Um, 
So I think that, yeah, size and genre is probably some of the biggest factors, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. It's size, too, I think that it's so small that everyone's just so tight-knit. It's like a... Why, yeah, we why, know everybody. Yeah, you know, and why, why leave your house whenever you can cook at home with your family? You know, in big cities, everyone's out there on their own trying to make, make their way. Are we also conditioned to expect music and art for free in this community? Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. Which is a great thing. Like, it, it's not, it's not a, a hurt, but... Well, it's definitely what, the family what, aspect yeah. of it. I mean, we feel like, uh, you know, down here, friends are family. So it's, it's, as a musician, it's hard for me to want to charge my friends and family to get into shows. But at the same time, it needs to be done, I guess. But, and at the same time... I just don't care, you know? Yeah, when the best nights are just a group of friends playing music, mm -hmm. then that's hard to then charge for the same thing just because it's in a different mm -hmm. venue. Right. Yeah, correct. It's, it's the value thing where it's like, it's you seem like it's not value, but on the back end, it's it's what makes it really valuable, I think. And it's one of those things, is it because it, we're so used to getting it for free that we don't value it, even <laughs> though it's one of the things we are so proud it's, of in yeah, this culture? It's, it's true. Oh, yeah. I mean, even as, you know, a, a fan... It, it's a, you got to walk a tightrope here because, you know, a lot of times I probably do get into shows without paying the cover because I'm best friends with the person playing. And in the back of my mind, I know I should be paying that cover, you know, because I'm, I'm supporting them. And it gets to a point of where, like, you go see each other enough and you're just passing money from <laughs> each other's hands. But uh, at the same time, I think it's, uh, it's pretty valuable to... I to help other musicians that. out. It's true. Look I mean, at this local economy and the musicians just we're just exchanging money. money. Yeah, everybody knows <laughs> each other. No one's making money, yeah. but we're just sharing. Yeah. <laughs> Very much like that. It's, it just matters who spins it the most. That's when it becomes an issue. Yeah. <laughs> So both of you, the reason that you guys are here is because I know both of you also have very business-minded attitudes. Lane, was going on The Voice a business decision or an emotional decision or a decision just for fame? Um, I think, uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a bit of all of that, but I guess in the back of my mind it was a bit of a business decision. Um, only To me, only good could have come out of it uh, if I make it through the process and get myself into a national audience. That's and tell us a bit about the process, because we see you on The Voice and go, oh, well, that was obvious. But it was actually a year-long process to get there? Yeah, from start to finish, uh, actually from start to the blind auditions, it was about a year-long process. And uh, and did they find you, or did you find them? Um, a little bit of both, I guess you could say. I, I filled on, they have an online profile that you go and you fill out, you know, with their information. And back whenever my buddy Ray Boudreau had done it, I decided I would go fill out the profile, and like most things, I never finished. I, I put in a couple of uh, bits of information about myself, and maybe uploaded one or two YouTube links, and never finished the rest of the application. And about a year later, I get a, a call from the, you know, one of their producers saying, "Oh, well, we saw your YouTube video, and we want you to come out and do an audition." So, I got to skip the open calls, which is. Uh, they call that the cattle calls, where they herd everybody in, five to 8,000 people at a, a stadium, and you go through the process of auditioning. So I had a timed audition. I showed up in Houston at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and did my audition and knew pretty much then if I was moving on to the next round or not. And uh, Which was a yes. Which was a yes. But up until day of, you know, they'll fly you out to L.A., and up until the day of, they'll, they, were, they were cutting people off their list, so... It was, uh, it was a long process, 
there was quite a few auditions in between the initial audition and the actual television audition. So, Sean, is this something you've considered to raise your profile? Um, on in that aspect, not quite um, like that, but uh, for me, I just think that we really got to work hard together and build a, a, a community and develop a scene. There needs to be... And, Sean, you started a, your own recording label to Correct. do this to help you and other artists eventually um i did it because I, i've never met a, a musician that agreed to the, to their record label deal and most of my f my favorite musicians that i follow independently release all their music so that's how that's why i wanted to do it at the same time i knew there needed to be someone to put a stake down and make it happen and and start getting all your friends on board and try to get some some attention outside of the state for what we do so if it's easier in Nashville and Austin and New York City, why are you guys still here? Because it's home. It's home. Yeah. yeah. There is there is nothing else. I mean, we've, we've traveled to a lot of different places playing music. And uh, every place I've been just doesn't have the same feel as Lafayette. It doesn't have that, uh, I guess, family orientation to it. Even, you know, friends and family. Um, like I said, we consider our friends family here and... So. so let me ask a very business question rather than an artistic question. Both of you have written songs that are, have a commercial bent very cleverly. Lane, you wrote a song called The Water Is Rising, and we know it's going to be played every time it floods here. <laughs> and Sean, you wrote a beautiful song called Louisiana. Oh, yeah. When you wrote those, was there the commercial thing in mind before you wrote them, or was just the artistic thing in mind and it just happened to work out that they're perfect to play in the background of things I don't think I ever write for a commercial aspect I think when I'm writing the, the process is always uh, it's always an artistic process for me uh, if the song happens to have because for, for me on this latest record that I did on Swamp Adesiac, to me the most commercial song on there uh, would be Bad Bad World a as a national kind of commercial thing and when I was writing the song, it never crossed my mind that this is a commercial-sounding song. It was through uh, other friends' opinions saying, oh, man, that should maybe be your radio single that you push out to the stations, you know? Because it does have a... Uh, it's not such a local flair to it. That one has more of a national sound to it. And uh, I think... And you could probably attest to this, that most of the times when you're writing songs, you're not thinking commercial-based. Yeah, I don't think you're even quite... You've been thinking about it. No, you think about that way later when it's time to actually put the album out to radio stations. I mean, if you're thinking commercially, for Lu the song Louisiana for me <clears throat> was, it's not that commercial, to be honest. You know, it's just Louisiana, and it won't make its way any other state I ever try to play it. So in my head at the time, I was looking, I was literally looking at a flag and, and just kind of thought more of it as a love song, if anything. It was a connection with me, and but it did, it did helped me here so on the back end once it got released they came around and Some people can you not, push that talk. out of your mind so it doesn't affect your next song does, correct does that make yeah. sense you don't want to write about love yet does that does that become a thing you don't do deliberately or does it become a thing you manage to forget about in the artistic process but i mean you take your songs you look at them if you, you really look at them as marketing pieces you're like how am i going to use this how am i going to make this valuable to get it out and so let's so, talk yeah, about marketing and the, the curse and blessing of the internet. I know especially you, Lane, you're 
do a lot of Facebook Live. Um, you had a thing with your latest album where you got people to do your guitar solo yeah. and picked a winner, and that got a lot of traction. That was, cool. that was yeah, it was great. I think I watched all of them. But then you so you got this easy way to market yourself. I know you both have Instagram and you're you know involved in Facebook. Right. And you can speak directly to your fans. And Lane, I know you show us what you're doing in your kitchen when you're just making up songs. And but then you've got the other side of the internet, which has made music not freely accessible but incredibly low cost especially for you guys i know lane recently put on his facebook page a report was it the royalties your royalties <laughs> report which i have in my hand oh cool you printed it out and yeah it works out that for an average across the world for each play you get four tenths of a penny so you had 12,322 plays and you made $50. Yeah, lunch is on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that just seems, you know, I don't think that's what we expect when we buy music online. I'm kind of proud of myself because I pay for music online rather than stealing it. I think that's and, something to be proud of for sure. But then you're getting so little of it. So is the internet a, a, both a, a curse and a blessing or is it? Oh, of course. I think... Like I, I, I stared at it and studied it forever. Like, what's the music industry going to be since Spotify streaming is now a thing? And but the internet, to me, it's a marketing thing. It's helping you, but at the same time, I feel like music's kind of turning to be the, the, the platform for music now. It's only your music when online. It's only going to be a marketing tool for you to get into a venue and play live shows and be tangible. And people buy records at the show. L, LPs are right. Finals coming back. So Final that's how you sell. But I think that that's kind of like the host now is kind of the internet is doing this type of stuff, developing media content for people to see you and then put yourself in a position to play and perform well, live. I've, I've always, as a music lover and a fan of other musicians, I mean, I, I remember gravitating towards certain musicians uh, at, you know, the youngest age of 12, 13 years old. And I'll look up to these musicians and I would follow what they were doing but you, you know the internet wasn't I wasn't on the internet back then so I had to buy the actual CDE read the liner notes go uh, buy a music magazine and learn yeah about music them. magazines yeah. that's right and so like for me as a musician I love the connection to the artist and I hope that people love the connection to me as a musician so that's why I try to put myself out there um, but you're both musician and marketer way. these days, and you both happen to be very strong in both of those aspects. Well, I love it, you know. And I guess if I wasn't doing music, and I had to find an actual job, I think marketing would be something that I would explore, just because it's fun. It's fun to think of different ideas to put a brand out there. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with musicians Sean Bruce and Lane Mack. Is there a way from where you are now to doing your own music full time in Lafayette? <clears throat> I think that there's definitely a way I could do it full-time. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the vision, a full-time vision that I, I have. You know what I mean? I, I know I, I could I could quit my day job right now and I could play uh, solo gigs every night in the bars and restaurants around here and probably make a decent living doing it. Is it something that I see myself doing? No, I don't think it is. I think... Uh, if you had to do it every night, do you think you'd lose the... Oh, I would definitely lose the passion for it. But I think that that avenue of being a full-time musician is not the avenue that I see as, as my dream or my end goal. To me, it's more of uh, being able to do my own music, being able to uh, 
not have to play covers every night in a bar. You know, that's that's the vision of being a full-time musician that I have. And that's something that I don't know if that goal is attainable here in Lafayette alone. Sean and Lane, this is the part of the show we called Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or this guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. You can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might really have turned out great. Or you can take your friend's advice, and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. I know you guys get this kind of advice all the time as musicians. You should do this, or you should record this. <laughs> do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had that great idea for you? Did you take their advice, and how did it turn out? This, this is kind of funny. I don't know if you, you mind if I go. Well, all right. I actually... As long as you're not going to tell us a story about Sean giving you advice. No, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell <laughs> you a story about you advice. giving me advice. Because the first time that <gasps> I ever... The first time that I ever met you... You were speaking, I forget exactly where it was, but I was working. Should I apologize for, now? No, I was working for an interior designer at the time, and we went and listened to you. And uh, and I asked you a question at the end of the, the, the session, and I asked something along the lines of, uh, of money and, uh, and what you do for a line of work. And uh, I just remember you telling me, it's... You know, and, and I've heard this many times, but for some reason, when you said it to me, it was a little more special, and I don't it's know why, accent. but it was... Yeah, it's the accent. It makes it sound legit, you know? But you told me to do what I love, and the money will follow. And that's extremely true, and I have a very hard time uh, letting go of control enough to actually follow that advice but I know that in the back of my mind that's something that everybody should do I think yeah the real advice there is do what you love work really 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 hard at it and the money <laughs> yeah. will follow I well, think yeah there's a lot a of in between yes but that's something that's always stuck with me which is it's pretty cool that we kind of come full circle and I did not know that this. was you I remember who you're talking about that's awesome man. <laughs> I've only just put two and two together and on the flip side on the flip side I I feel like I'm my own advice chamber and I you know how many big ideas that I have that I never follow through with? <laughs> and you're probably the same way. Oh, absolutely. When, when him and I were working together, uh, finishing cabinets, it was like, that's how it was every day. It's like bouncing ideas off of each other like crazy. And some of them we'd actually that's a good idea. go through with. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, with Cajuns, that's what we do. Sure, what advice have you ignored or followed? Um, it, it actually happened this year recently, and kind of where I got into my position with my work now. Um, I was supposed to go... I was supposed to move, like, uh, in November, past November, and pursue... I was taking an internship with this record label, and I decided to just put it aside and stick around, so I put in an internship application at uh, Festival International, and Lisa Stafford, she does all the programming, she told me, um, you got to do this because you're going to meet so many people. You just just go. You're going to meet so many people. And I think that once as the festival came around and I was working behind the scenes of doing all this stuff, it's very, very true. Just, you got to go out and network, and if someone says go, you're going to meet so many people, go. And it, it worked out because now like, um, I did meet a lot of people and made a lot of connections, and then I ended up getting me to the next level of my professional work, got me there, and that always paid off. And that's with everything, with musicians. It's like um, most of my friends that get gigs are the guys that, that stick around and hang out. You know, it's funny you say that, man, because I'm having a hard time at the point in my life that I'm at right now with two small children, full-time job. I don't have the time to go out 
on the weeknights and even on the weekends anymore to rub elbows with everybody. And is that where social media steps in, where they still feel they yeah, see you? Yeah, I think every day. that's kind of what what uh, takes the place of me not actually being there. Just itching and, to get out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I itch to get out. And, and the thing is, is like when you're out and about, and you're and you're talking with different people, making connections, you're always in the know. So you yeah. know what shows are coming through here, and it's a little easier to book those things. And for me, it's like I said, it's a it's a uh, it's hard for me to get out right now, and and I do uh, struggle with that a little bit. Because I, I do want to be out there making those connections. And in music, that's that's what everything is. Well, it's a 100% yeah. connection. I it's think everything. in every business, I mean, it's always yeah, about people. Everyone that I've talked to that graduated college got their jobs because they knew someone. Yes. You know, and that's ultimately how it is. Yeah, people do business yeah. with people they like, whether that's the music business or any that's other the business. Truth. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Let's talk to our listeners and our fans for a second. How did they help? That Obviously, you want them to... You want them to buy your music. Do you want them to buy the hard copy of the show? Or do you want to buy online so you boost and get into the the iTunes charts? Or do you want them to buy a T-shirt? Or how do they help the most? Because I think people want to know that. Where do you make the most money? I mean, you we probably have the same exact answer, but it's when you're out there playing shows. Yeah. Um, you're so make you want your, us to show up, show up, pay the cover, even if we're on the guest list, pay the cover. Yeah. <laughs> and buy a T-shirt, buy a, yeah, a CD. Yeah, buying, buying merch is that. Throw money at you. Well, it's the direct transfer of money. You know, there's no middleman when you're buying merch. I make a T-shirt, you buy the T-shirt, I get the money. Simple as that. I don't have to pay a percentage to anybody else, you know. So this is how we grow the music scene. We make sure we show up and... Yeah, I mean, it's word a, of mouth. Too. Shop small kind of ideas, you know, like... Um, yeah, it is. It's the same as shop like local. you got to go and... There's no point saying you something. love local music unless you're willing to help yeah. it out. So tell me your business plan for the next five years. Okay. Uh, you first. Yeah. I love that you can answer this. Oh, man, I'm going for it. Um, it's because it's been a... It's, I think ultimately it's always been a business plan. Uh, it's... I want to get this Norwood Recording Company thing a, 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 a true shot. You know, it's kind of the thing that just feels like it's always lingering. I want to create this sort of management team. I want to create a booking team that gets this type of music out on the road. Um, I'm working with uh, Mark Broussard too to develop a new New Age record label right now, which is like a digital content media provider. Right, which you can find some um, of that online right now. Yep, it's all like it's called Artist Tone Records. So I'm working with him to do that, and I think it's all about wearing man, as many hats as you can. Um, uh, I would love to just be on the road with friends. If I'm not performing, I might just tour manage and just curate my life wearing and as many musical hats. And you all help each other, and you sit in each other's bands, you play <laughs> drums, and people yeah. play guitar for you. It's one of the things we love about music. Yeah, scene, and that's yeah. any artist, you know. Like every artist wears so many hats, so you have to wear them all. It's all yeah, side hustles. So will we be able to afford you to come back in the show in five years' time? And oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Lane, business plan, five years. Five-year business plan. Well, to be honest with you, and this is kind of crazy, is like um, I put a lot of effort into this record, and not even the, the same amount as I put into the last album, but I got so burnt out on this that uh, now through the end of the year, I'm almost trying to take a little uh, hiatus and take a break and uh, with my own music. Now, as a guitarist, I'm trying to uh, pick up as many more guitar gigs as I can out there because... I mean, I love guitar just as much as I love writing music or singing my own songs, but I think it's good to step back 
I have a few new tracks that I'd like to get into the studio with, so of course I'm going to continue to release music. Um, the next five years, hopefully I'm... I got two uh, record projects that I'd really like to do, and it, uh, one of them definitely ties into Louisiana music. I'd like to do a whole uh, Swamp Pop album of old Swamp Pop songs and, uh, and really try to capture the, the feel that they did back then when they were coming out in the 60s. But uh, yeah, I'm going to continue working on music. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I see myself kind of doing the same thing in five years. I'm happy where I'm at. And if, uh, if better and bigger things come along, well, I'll take that ride. I look forward to see, seeing from, hearing from you both. Sean, Lane, next time we go out and hear music or listen to music on our phone or on KLVS, we'll have more of an understanding of what goes on in the business lives of those people in the chain of events who make the music and are attempting to make a living from it. Thank you so much for the brief but informative and fun education you've given us today. Sean and Lane, thank you both for the great times you give us and thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been musicians Sean Bruce and Lane Mack. You can find out more about Sean's and Lane's music by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researcher is Anne Christian. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our website, itsacadiana.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with brunch on Sundays. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escade. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.